This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to another edition of the preview show brought to you by the Known and Ever podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and we are this week looking over that incredibly disappointing home defeat to Sean Dyche's um, Everton. Not just the result, but also a very poor performance by our young Barrett's. We're looking ahead. Looking, we're looking forward. We're definitely looking ahead to an away tie just before the Christmas fixture at Fulham. And we've got George on to analyse just what is going wrong in this very hit, miss, miss, miss season. Dave Statman Roberts is going to be here as normal to give you all the stats, facts, and analysts that you need ahead of that Fulham game. So let's go. George, Dave, welcome to. The first of two festive editions of the None and Ever podcast. How are we both? Very festive. You are very festive. I'm very impressive. I brought gingerbread thingies, but they're actually starting to get on my nerves. I might take them off in a minute because they're also like digging into my head. Um, George, you look like you came straight out of 1940s wartime France. Never mind Christmas. Is this what's going on here? Is this? Yeah, I didn't get the the... I didn't get the Christmas memo. I didn't get the memo on the. No. To be, to be fair, George jumped in literally about five minutes ago because I said, remind me, who's doing the part preview show tonight? And he went, I could come on, and then he's on. So you're <laughs> forgiven, George, you're forgiven. Um, let's kick right off then. We're going to go, we're going to leave uh, Dave's festive snow-capped background. We're going to go straight to you, young George. Um, we're all very down in the dumps at None and Ever HQ at the moment. This season is just horrible. Um, the football's horrible. The results are horrible. Just everything's horrible. Um, just as we thought we were starting to turn a corner with this Claret side, a little bit of stability in the squad and some tweaks to the performances that we're getting and some good performances and some points, we just did not learn our lesson and absolutely capitulated against um, an Everton side. How how did you feel coming off the turf on Saturday and how do you feel now? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of in a, a state of acceptance at this point, to be honest. Like, this team's going down. Um, it's it's rubbish. It's a rubbish team. Uh, it's, remarkable, it's remarkable being on tonight because I, was, I feel like I've not been on a podcast in about five months. Because You haven't? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, I feel, um, I suppose, a similar way to a lot of Burnley fans. I can't put my finger on why exactly it is. It's not just the results, but completely feel disconnected, like, yeah. from this team. I have, I have, I have very little... Um, care 
for watching it. I don't, I don't, I don't like to watch the games these days. If I have to spend my money anywhere, I'm not spending it on going to games because you know money's tight and whatnot, and I'm not going to go and spend it to watch that. Um, and I'm fair play to the people who do because they're being served up rubbish week in week out. Everton get Everton game in particular. It's one of those where you watch it and you see a team led by Sean Dyche on the other side who will do very well in the Premier League, not just this season, but seasons to come. And you think, well, that's where we were a couple of years ago, you know, say a, free, a few years ago, possibly. Um, More than a few years ago. Now, we were garbage now the last almost, couple of years. Yeah, but at least we stayed up. And, and I think we'd have stayed up if we'd have stayed anyway. But that's by the by anyway. But the point is, like, we seem to have, there's an acceptance in the club of what we're doing at the moment, which I think is unacceptable, ironically. Um, I just I was just watching an interview then with with Connor Roberts, which I found really interesting. It's on BBC Radio uh, Lancashire's sport page on Twitter. Uh, Pendleside Hospice. Uh, him and J Rod had been to do um, some charitable work at, at the hospice and a visit, and there was this line he said. A lot of these young players who were brought in, um, I don't think they expected it to be quite as hard as it is, etc. And there's these words that keep coming out the club about these young players as though it's something that's been burdened and burdened on, on, on us. It was our own choice to sign all these players. It was our choice to Yeah, exactly. On, on these players who aren't good enough and aren't ready. So to be honest, that kind of thing, <laughs> you can't use that as an excuse. Like that was our choice. So yeah, I guess that's how I'm, I'm feeling at the moment. And after the Everton game, it's a bit acceptance at this point and very little hope for the rest of the season, sadly. So what what do you want to happen then for the rest of the season? What I how ideally do you want the second half second half of the season to be shaped? What do you want to do? Well, do you remember when um, COVID happened and the season got quashed for a few months? Like that would be fantastic. I'd love I'd love in the, the absence of another global <laughs> pandemic that gets us all put into lockdown. Let's not do that. Um, <laughs> but in the absence the absence yeah. of that, um, I, I guess you know there is there is a blueprint there in the last in it probably in November. When we played, we were playing a lot better, and and there was a lot to be positive about coming off matches, even if we hadn't won, etc. So performances like that again, please, a bit of a bit of spirit. But to be honest, at this point, I just want us to get over eleven points. Like I really am desperate that we don't end the season on, uh, you know, the record low points total, and I also hope we don't get too cut adrift that it's just embarrassing. So those are those are my hopes for for the new year. Um, I, I'm. I don't want the company to be sacked. Like I don't see what we can benefit from it. And also, I, I'm of the opinion that if we go down next season, we'll probably still walk the championship. So Agreed. we just need to, we just need to consider, and this should have been considered already. But this we need to consider how if we go down and come back up. I know forward thinking a lot. How do we then build a team next time that's capable of staying up? Because well, this is this is my question. Actually, I agree yeah. with you. I'm not in camp sack. Um, company at all. I'm. I still think I, I'm prepared to give him the trust of this project that he's building. But what worries me a little bit is, is I'm not exactly seeing mistakes and lessons being mistakes being rectified and lessons learned from company either this season. It's all very well saying, yeah, he's a cheat code in the championship. He'll come back up, and I think he will. Are we not just going to be in exactly the same position in two years' time, buying and, and a manager who doesn't really know how to manage in the Premier League? I don't know. I don't know whether that's something we need to think about. I don't know. Uh, from a player perspective, who do, you want, who do you want to see come in then? In, in Sorry, we've got a bit, little bit of a lag here, listeners. So if there's a little bit of a disconnect between me and George, we've just got a slight sound lag. So hopefully that'll sort itself out soon. Um, 
who do you want to see coming? Like, what positions do you want to see strengthened and who do you want to see dropped in January, if any? Well, I think we'll see the, the squad trimmed. Um, a, a lot of players that are on the books um, will leave in January, I guess. Um, to be honest, I'd love to see Han Noe Masengo get a go. Like, um, I, I get Gavry's building match fitness with the under-23s, etc. But he's a he's a player that did well out in France, um, was a really mm. valued prospect at Bristol City. So I'd like to see Masengo get a go in the second half of the season. Um, but in terms of bringing people in, to be honest, I don't I don't really want us to bring any. I don't want to waste any more money on this futile attempt at staying up. That's not um, much now, actually. And, but 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 there isn't. That's not to say there should be no room for optimism because remember we brought Lyle Foster in in January, bedded in for six months, and he did nothing in the championship. He he was rubbish. You know he wasn't great. But then after the, that bedding in period, he was then fantastic at the start of this season. So perhaps. Dare I say we buy more, you know, some young prospects or whatever and give them six months to bed in ahead of the championship next season. But I don't know, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because if the if the club sign players that are clearly we're preparing for the championship, it's not a great look. But at the same time, you don't want to buy any players, um, you know, Premier League level because, I don't know, it just feels like a waste of time. Um, but, you know, like, look, maybe we win on Saturday and then we start thinking, let's come on, let's give it a crack at staying up in the second half of the season. So... I know Vincent Company for sure won't be giving up and won't be considering things like we are, to be honest. I think he'll be uh, full mindset on on staying up and signing players to, to aid towards that. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, George. Um, Dave, one shining beacon of happiness um, at the game on Saturday was very much um, the return to the squad. Surprised everybody of Lyle Foster named on the bench, which took us all surprise. I think most of us probably thought that he was maybe there on Saturday to see how he was getting along, be part of the squad again, build himself up some, um, you know, some strength to be around there. Ended up coming on in the second half and looked really, really healthy, looked happy, had a smile on his face, looked well. Um, that was incredible to see him. I didn't think we were going to see him this soon. It was such a nice feeling. Yeah, Vincent Company spoke about that in the uh, pre-match press conference as well for the Fulham game that was um, on the Burnley YouTube channel this afternoon. Um, I think it is a case of still taking it very slowly. Yeah. He's, he was asked whether um, he would be playing in AFCON um, and very much said no. Um, I mean, he is in the provisional squad. I think he put a provisional squad of 50 players out and he was actually named in that before he came back uh, last week. Um, but the thinking, I think, is that coming back into the Burnley side is part of the rehab, if you will. Yeah. Um, that needs to be managed very carefully. Um, and going off to uh, a big tournament really isn't the way to progress that. So Vincent Company is very much of the mind that he continues at Burnley. We may well see him back in the team in the next few weeks, but um, AFCON is uh, very much off the agenda. Mm, okay. Um George um, Benny also came on the pitch as well. Um, I know you touched on this earlier on, and I I do also feel that level of disconnect with this side at the moment. Against the manager as well, I don't feel like I've got that same connection with VK that I had last, last year either. Um, seeing Benson come on was a nice bit to that because he was one of the players. And actually, to hear the crowd chanting a player's name, that's something that's been really missing this season. Have you noticed? None of these players that we've not got any connection with yet. Nobody's got songs. Nobody's uh, yet. Benson came on 
and we got the chant going straight away. And it suddenly felt, oh, this is a player from last season. It brought back memories of that fantastic championship season. Um, again, good to see him back on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, when you asked before about what I'd hoped for in the second half of the campaign, I guess in, in, towards the top of that list would be just to see Benson be stay fit the second half of the season because you don't. Uh, he's such a fantastic player. You don't want to see him, um, unfortunately, go the way of perhaps a Maxwell Corner, who unfortunately is just very much a, an injury prone player, and you'll never you'll never see them actually have a, a sustained run of good football. Yeah. So I really. Hope not the case with Benson and I hope it's just you know a few knocks here and there along the way and it accumulated let's hope now that going forward he has that, that six months because I mean if you think back a, a couple of seasons uh Goodmanson was like this like Goodmanson was yeah. injured all the time um yeah, and you really thought you really thought he was sort of dwindling towards the end of his Burnley career on quite a, a sad note really of never being a player who was a cracking player on his day but always injured um, now, since company has come in, uh, Goodmanson's barely been injured at all, and mm. I, I think he's been one of our best players under company, uh, whether he plays out wide or in or in the middle. So, perhaps you know, if we can see Benson staying fit, then that'd be fantastic. And you know, it's like it's as we've discussed, or you guys have discussed for so often over the last few months, the players who got us to where we are now have not been re rewarded with Premier League football. You know, like Zorori. I mean. I put I put missing posters up for Zorro. Where is he? Where is he? What is going on? SSI. Yeah. So just to see Benson on the pitch, one of our heroes from last season, is fantastic. And let's hope he let's hope he can stay fit because he's a joy to watch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, final thought from you before we come and preview that Fulham game, then George, you must have been delirious seeing Dash back on the turf more pitch. What a welcome he got. Yeah, I was I was delighted with that because well, I'm not going to say I was worried because it doesn't really personally affect me, but I was worried um, that he was going to get you know a, a mixed reception or or, or I'd have been surprised not even a mixed reception. Just, just even just even if he didn't get like the the, the wholehearted applause, I'd be a bit uh, miffed because yeah, he's an absolute legend. So fantastic to see him get a, a great reception and and you could tell in his own way he really appreciated it. Like I, I, as he said so many times, he's not that kind of. Uh, He's not the kind of man, you know, if there was a statue outside Turf Moor, he'd hate it. Like, that's not yeah. for him, that kind of thing. When he's left Burnley, then it's in his rearview mirror and totally appreciate and respect that. But you could tell with the way he clapped around the whole ground, both before and after the game, um, that, that it meant a lot. And yeah, I mean, what an absolutely astounding, man, outstanding manager. It, sort of in, in the way that I'm accepted of Burnley's relegation now, so I don't really care about the clubs above us. I'm delighted to see him doing a great job at Everton because it just proves what we all knew for so many years, um, how good he is. There, and there was a few people when he went to Everton said, you know, oh, he's just a firefighter manager. It, 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 the modern games left people like him behind and it's like, that's nonsense. Um, and he's proven everyone in that ilk wrong. So yeah, yeah. lovely to see I him think, back. I think for me, what, what I was pleased to see was I was glad that, when by the time he first came to Turf Moor for his first time after he'd been sacked from us, I was glad to, that that was at a time where he was stable and he was doing well in his job. Like he was under a lot of pressure at Everton at the beginning. Everton fans hated him last year. Um, it didn't start this season particularly very well as well. And he was being talked about as being one of the first managers to be sacked. Um, can you imagine how horrible that would have been for him to come to Turf Moor with an Everton side on the verge of being sacked by Everton and doing really, really badly and have to face us 
that would have just been really horrible for him. So I was, it was nice for him as a person to come when he was doing well in his job. I think that was a nice touch. I would have hated it for him to have to come and be really doing really badly. <laughs> Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Right, Dave, let's think about the next game. That's the beauty of football is that we've now got an opportunity at the weekend to fall 10 points, play from safety. So, yay, go us. Um, it is, of course, Fulham away. Hang on, let me get my script up, otherwise I'm going to be going rogue. Uh, Fulham away, it is Saturday the 23rd of December, 3pm kickoff, not live in the UK. Uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to all the travelling clarets who are going down to that Fulham game because the public transport in and out of London right now looks horrific. Uh, but let's not worry about that. Um, we've got a quiz first. Um, I believe you are going to give our listeners a quiz question that they need to think about throughout the duration of this episode. So fire away, Dave, fire away. Yes, we have a festive quiz question. Um, as I'm at Fulham, is the last time we play before Christmas Day. This week's just for fun quiz question is as follows: Who was the last Burnley player to score a goal for the Clarets on Christmas Day, and what was the year? On Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Yes, they used to play football matches on Christmas. Day. I was Day. just going to say we used to have boxing matches on Christmas Day. So. This must be around the time that you were at school then, Dave, yeah? Uh, a little bit before that, yes. <laughs> All right, listeners, this will probably be one for our older generation of listeners. Um, who was our last player to score on Christmas Day? Was that, Dave? I was only half yes. listening because I was a little bit sidetracked by Christmas Day. Okay, you've got until the end of the episode. We'll give you the answer. Dave, kick us off, please, with the match results summary. Thanks. Okay, 44 previous away league matches at Fulham have produced 10 Burnley wins, 9 draws and 25 defeats. Burnley have scored 54 goals in these matches and have conceded 86. However, our record at Craven Cottage is significantly better than Fulham's record at Turf Moor, Ooh. which we'll be covering in more detail for the reverse fixture later in the season. Although our paths never met in the fourth tier, we have spent six seasons together in the third tier, 23 seasons in the second tier, and 15 in the top flight prior to the current campaign. Burnley have lost two of the previous three away matches in the Premier League, losing in February 2010 and August 2018, before picking up a vital away win in a behind-closed-doors match in May 2021. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay. 
first of our actually we're coming up to the the end of the uh, new feature for this season because obviously uh, we're coming to the halfway point but it will no longer be a new feature I don't think but one to remember and one to forget please it's our past match retrospective involves us looking back at two previous meetings which have been memorable for very different reasons which matches have you chosen this time please Dave uh, yes, well, we'll be well. It isn't as new as you as you said. We we started at the start of this season having the two yes. matches, and we'll we'll continue it throughout the season because we'll switch it around as well. So we'll for the uh, reverse fixtures, we can do the away games where we did home. So we'll we'll be continuing it. Uh, but as is now customary, we'll get the one to forget out of the way first. We've suffered a couple of four nil defeats in third tier league matches at Craven Cottage. The first was in April nineteen ninety three. That was when Jimmy Mullen was manager. And the other was in December 1998, in the early stages of Stan Turner's time in charge. And it's the second of those two defeats we're going to look back at in more detail. At that time, Fulham were managed by Kevin Keegan, who'd been appointed by Chairman Mohammed Al-Fayed. He'd arrived with plenty of cash and a plan to get Fulham to the Premier League within five years. The match in question was an extremely one-sided game with the Burnley Express using the headline Clarets, a million miles off required standard. Two first-half goals from Simon Morgan. Two first-half goals from Simon Morgan were followed up with second-half goals for Barry Hales and Paul Pesky Salido, which eased the Londoners to a comfortable home win. They went on to gain promotion that season as runaway champions with 101 points. Sounds familiar. And Burnley, helped by a 1-0 win in the reverse fixture the following May, managed to survive with a strong late run of results. Lovely. And then what is your reverse match, please, Dave? Right, well, I want to remember it's from the 2015-16 season and a championship match that took place at Craven Cottage in March 2016. That was a Tuesday evening kickoff, and Burnley took an early lead in the ninth minute a Sam Vokes glancing a header from Scott Arfield's in-swinging corner, with goalkeeper Andy Lonergan rooted to his line. However, two goals in six minutes turned the match on its head, as first Ross McCormack found the net with a powerful shot past Tom Heaton in the 17th minute, and Moussa Dembele chested the ball over the line from a left-wing cross in the 22nd minute. But Sean Dyche's clarets were made of stern stuff and hit back in the second half with a Sandvokes penalty ah. after 41 minutes. And then up popped Andre Gray to score the winner with a powerful shot from the edge of the box just after the hour mark. Victory captures the top of the table and also meant our impressive unbeaten run during the second half of that season remained intact. As might be expected, the Burnley Express headline made reference to the Claret's resilience and was Iron Jaw on display as Claret's win at Cottage. Lovely, lovely stuff. I liked the uh, reference to the contrasting headlines there. Um, I don't think we've managed to get um, an opposition view this week, I'm afraid. Um, Fulham fans are a little bit shyer than some of their counterparts. Um, and also, I think with it being Christmas period, everybody's really busy at the moment. I don't think we've had a chance to. So let's not give you an opposition view this time. Let's just move on, please, Dave, to give us the referee details. Right. Well, as we mentioned last time, there'll be a Premier League first this weekend. That's because Rebecca Welch will be the woman in the middle, the first female official to take charge of a match in the English top flight. Of course, there have been female assistant referees, notably Wendy Toms, and more recently, Sean Massey-Ellis 
and Lancashire's own Natalie Aspinall. And Rebecca Welsh herself has previously been appointed as the fourth official for a Premier League match earlier this season. Uh, Rebecca Welsh is from Washington in Tyne and Weir and celebrated her 40th birthday at the start of December. After taking up refereeing in 2010, she first continued to work in the NHS before making the switch on a full-time basis. After being appointed to FIFA's elite list of international match officials in 2020, Rebecca Welsh went on to become the first woman to take charge of an EFL match in 2021 and in 2022 took charge of a third round FA Cup time. Uh, the video assistant referee this Saturday afternoon will be Jared Gillett, who took charge of Burnley's away match at Wolves at the start of this month. Good stuff. Um, George, I'm incredibly excited and proud, as you would expect, to have the Premier League's first referee, uh, first female referee, not first referee, although it feels like it at the moment, first female referee join us this weekend at the Cottage. It feels like a real privilege to be part of history to see that happen as well. Um, is this something that you are particularly looking forward to, have any strong opinions on, or, which is a position I would quite like us all to get to in time, non-plus because it makes no difference either way? Yeah, I was a bit like that, to be honest. I, was, I didn't even, I hadn't clocked that it was a first because I, in my head, this had already happened. Like, good. which is, I suppose, is a good, a good thing. Like, it didn't clock me as the, uh, yeah, it didn't clock as something that hadn't mm -hmm. happened before. Um, but uh, especially at the moment with a lot of, uh, obviously, the Joey Barton mm -hmm. stuff, you get a lot of uh, idiots cr crawling out of the woodwork with a lot of just stupid sexist opinions. So I think stuff like this is really important. Um, and I just, I, it's one there where I hope she has a good game. You know, sometimes referees can have bad games and hopefully this Saturday isn't one of them because you know it would just bring out a load of rubbish. But no, it's it's great to see. And for Burnley to be the ones to um, to be involved in this is, is, pr is pretty cool. So yeah, looking forward to it. And yeah, let's hope uh, the decisions fall our way on Saturday. That would be nice. That would be very nice. How are you feeling about the match generally? I know obviously you've already spoken about a resignation this season and a little bit of flatness when it comes to being excited for things. But let's just pretend for a second that we're in an alternate universe and things are going well. It, it, do we have any... Fulham are playing very well, right? Um, this is going to be a really tough game, but I guess just talk me through your thoughts. Who do you play? What? How do you approach the game? What are you thinking? Yeah, well, Fulham are one of those teams where, um, like, they can, they can... A lot of the times, they can just be rubbish, like, in my mind, anyway, like they can just they're, they're one they're a team who sometimes don't turn up. Um, I I just see Fulham in particular as a club with like I don't know lacking history, lacking a bit of fight. Though maybe I'm completely wrong. And fair play, like recently they've been quite good, but I always fancy our chances against against Fulham. Um, but you know it, it might not turn out that way on Saturday. But I, I I do think there is a chance there. I mean, you look at. Those sort of teams that have come up from the championship and excelled in recent seasons, your Brightons, your um, and your Brentfords, they've been able to consistently push that top eight, top seven. Whereas Fulham have sort of threatened yeah. it and then come up. And you know, I mean, look, all credit to them. I'd love to to be you know where they are in the league and and the last couple of seasons they've enjoyed, but it does show that there is that inconsistency there. They'll sometimes lose to teams of our of our caliber in the in the relegation zone. So. There's definitely an outside chance of us doing something. And even though the team as a whole has been rubbish to watch this season, that's not to say there haven't been uh, moments to remember, you know, the, the breakthrough of of um, Coley Oshaw. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think he's only gone a few weeks, but the breakthrough of Coley Oshaw has been 
such a joy to watch. And um, Wilson Audibert, you know, we when Coley Osh got injured, I think we're all very much resigned to negativity and, and thinking, well, the rest of them haven't proved a point yet. So there's nothing to look forward to. But then Wilson started and he, and he was superb. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching him play because whilst the team's not necessarily clicking, there's still the moments of magic from these kind of players that... Yeah. Uh, Throw back seven years, we'd have we'd have we'd have you know bitten our hands off to have an exciting winger. So we can't take for granted that we have a few of them now. So looking forward to watching him play. Good. Um, I'm presuming that um, Charlie Taylor just comes straight back in at left back for you. I think that that mess that we saw against Everton is probably not going to get repeated in a hurry. Yeah, let's hope Charlie Taylor's back. I think he's been, I, I think he's been, uh, you know, very good so far this season. I know there's a lot of people who, weirdly enough, just always want to be on his back. But for me, you know, in the absence of another left back signing in the summer, Taylor's been good. So I'm looking forward to watching him play. Um, again, one of the old guard that it's just we have that connection with. Uh, which we yeah, don't exactly. With, uh, Do you know the, the main thing for me with Charlie Taylor at the moment is I'm just massively grateful for what he's done this season. He was dropped last season and was behind Matson. Um, he didn't get anybody coming in for him when we got relegated from the Premier League, which just stung a little bit. He had to have a bit part in the Championship season, and then when we failed to sign our first choice left back again this summer, he got called on because there was nobody else, and it must have hurt that he was. He knew he wasn't the first choice, and he's come in and he's putting in an incredibly professional performance. Worked really hard, and he also. Vincent companies come out in, in before the season even started and said, yes, we're going to be rectifying the left-back position in January. So he knows he's only got a first half of the season and still has played as well as he has and worked as hard as he has. And I just think I am incredibly grateful for the professionalism that he has shown this first half of the season and the service he's done for our side. And no matter what happens now, he's going to go out. He can go out with his head held high and I'm incredibly grateful. Um, any other changes, yeah, George? Yeah, I was gonna, sorry, I was going to say, I was going to say, um, I'd add, you know, Jack Cork into that mix as well. And those kind of, it, it makes yeah. you... And Jay. You really, yeah, it, you, it, it makes them really endearing when when that professionalism shines through. You know, uh, Jack Cork under Vincent Company is just, it's just not, he clearly doesn't fancy it. Uh, company just doesn't fancy playing Jack Cork, which I do think, you know, uh, he's wrong about. Um, but I, I was watching another video that Burnley put out uh, today where they'd visited the local hospital... Uh, hospitals, sorry, to give out presents and whatnot. And the, the video ended with a really nice speech that Court gave um, in one of the wards. And it just made me think what a credit to the club Jack Cork is and, and has been since in, in both his times with the club. But, you know, and he's, he's, he's barely been on the pitch this season. And yet every time he speaks in, the, in, a, pub, in a public manner, um, he's just an absolute credit. So, yeah, when, when you see these players... Be out of favour, but but still, you know, um, give the role to the club, whether it be on or off the pitch. It's just fantastic. Yeah, completely. And and it's one of those things where we, I, I and Natalie, you know, we both said this in a recent fan advisory board meeting. We want this connection with the new players, and and it's been a failure. It's been a failure personally. I think that it hasn't. It hasn't. You know, like take a Mike Trezor, who unfortunately suffered, you know, patches of bad form this season. But he signed for us in the summer, and I've, I don't know a single thing about him. There's been no in, no interviews after matches. No. They never speak. I don't know anything about him. Whereas it, it made me a, a bit more of a connection to James Trafford when I found out 
that unfortunately he 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 reads a lot of the social media posts and had and had been negatively affected. And you, when you get that personal personal touch, like we we understood that Trafford had, had you know had struggled through that. You know, you just you you see them on on a human level. So I wish yeah, there would definitely. be a bit more of connection. Yeah, no, I agree. Score prediction then, please, George. Two nil to Burnley. Um, Merry Christmas, Clarets. Love it, Dave. Score prediction. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say we could get a win. So I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for a two-one Burnley win. And I'm going to say that we're going to get the double over Fulham this season because we always beat them at Turf Moor. So a 2-1 win at Fulham and then we're going to uh, do, the, do the double when they come back to Turf Moor. What is this, Wizardry? Have you two been on the Christmas triple a little bit early? I love this. I'm also going to say a Burnley win, but I'm going to say a little bit more of a conservative 1-0 win. So there you go. That's team known in Evers uh, predictions. Dave, put your Santa hat on, please. It's time to give our listeners a Christmas present. De- de- delve deep into that Santa sack and give our listeners your miscellaneous stat of the week. That's easy for you to say. Uh, not, uh, not Burnley, have won... <laughs> <laughs> Burnley have won three of the last four away matches at Fulham, as well as the 3-2 win in 2015-16, which was our one to remember. We celebrated a 3-0 away win in the FA Cup in January 2021, as well as the 2-0 away win in the league in May 2021, although both of those last two matches were played without any fans being able to be present. Our only away defeat in the last four was by a 4-2 scoreline. That was in the early part of the 2018-19 season. Prior to 2016, though, Burnley had failed to win away at Fulham in nine attempts in all competitions between 1982 and 2010, picking up just two draws and losing the other seven. Good stat. Um, Game week 18 for you FPL managers um, got underway early as the match between Crystal Palace and Brighton was brought forward to Thursday evening. Looking ahead, the Game Week 19 deadline for the next set of matches, which starts on the 26th, will be 11am on Boxing Day morning. Let's hope there'll be some festive green arrows for our FPL managers. So do make sure you get your teams in there. And uh, there's a few changing deadlines to keep an eye on there. Um, There is a massive, unnecessarily large font on my script saying, Natalie, quiz answers, do not forget. Forget one week and I get quiz George, what in the world have you just done to your film? You've been playing, haven't you, while Dave's been doing his miscellaneous start? My goodness. I'm just going to pretend that that's not there. The poor, the poor podcast listeners are not going to understand what's going on. Uh, Dave, quiz answers, please. I have not forgotten. But thank you for the reminder anyway. Quiz answer, please. Uh, yeah, earlier in the show, we asked you who was the last Burnley player to score a goal for the Clarets on Christmas Day and what was the year? Uh, the answer was... Albert Cheeseborough scored in a 2-1 home win over Manchester City. That was in 1957. Brian Pilkington scored Burnley's other goal earlier in the match. Lovely stuff. Not Peter Noble, as young George speculated earlier. Uh, let us know if you got that quiz answer right. OK, listeners, Dave and I are going to go and grab a cup of tea. Um, then we're going to try and record some kind of Liverpool preview show for you so that is all we've got time for for this Fulham preview best of luck to all travelling clarets going down to Fulham Godspeed and I goodness me do I hope you bring three points I would love some festive cheer for you all um, Merry Merry Christmas from everybody at None and Ever um, our best wishes from our houses to yours um, for a very happy and um, warm and friendly and loving Christmas period 
or the holidays if you don't celebrate Christmas. Um, and let's keep our fingers crossed for a healthy, happy and peaceful new year. This has been the preview show. I've been Natalie Bromley. Until next time. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting noneandever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport Fan Network. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.